continue worshipping together today, siblings, I invite you to turn in your Bibles or Bible apps to the Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter, beginning with the 31st verse. Let us receive together the Word of God. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man <clears throat> coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day, or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his own work, and he commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, for the ways that you move in and among and through us, by the ways that you draw near to us and encourage us, for your word that calls us back to what matters most, we thank you. May the words of my mouth today, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable to you, O God, for you and you alone are our hope. Amen. Here we are. <laughs> and I want to talk about time for a minute. Time is a tricky thing. Theoretical physics gives us concepts like absolute or Newtonian time. 
relativity in the space-time continuum and something called the loop quantum gravity theory. Now, yeah, all of these, as I understand it, are different perspectives trying to make sense of what seems to be the fairly agreed upon belief that time is one of the most difficult things to understand. Yet here we are. And it is, whatever time, it is. And humans forever have been anxious to try to predict the times, to predict when things will happen. And we have been mostly, tragically or hilariously, wrong. We join our ancestors in moments of suffering who for centuries cry out, how long, O oh Lord? Or some of us perhaps with Whitney Houston, how will I know? Or with every child anywhere on a family trip, you know the question, are we there yet? We talk about time often as a commodity and often get caught in a scarcity model as if we don't have enough. I just don't have enough time. Or perhaps we think of time as an empty space that it is our duty to fill with activity. When will there come a time when there's more time, enough time? Is that even possible? Is time really a measurable thing? And what about eternity? Does time have a start time? And then we're back to physics and question after question. Time is always tricky. And in this year of disruption and disaster and disease, time, at least my experience of it, has just been plain weird. Sometimes a week feels like a day and a month like a week. The familiar rhythms and markers of our existence have been so thrown off that it feels like perhaps, it's just me, but it feels like we're floating in some shadowy wrinkle in time. And we don't know how long all of this is going to last. And we can't plan our lives in the little boxes and fields of our calendars that normally give us a sense of control because predictions of vaccines and protocols and tests and all the other stuff surrounding COVID-19 are shrouded in uncertainty, wrapped in contingencies. It's true that because human life has often been disrupted, with disease and violence, one of the most common refrains of our spiritual tradition is, how long, O Lord? But in the midst of that outcry, if we're paying attention, our faith tradition helps us manage and mark time. 
the seasons of the church year, the liturgical seasons with their assigned symbolic colors and images, are one of the ways that our religious practice orders time. And today, of course, we begin a new year with this first Sunday of Advent. Advent is all about waiting, about anticipation, about looking ahead to the fulfillment of a promise. But one difference between human experience of time generally and our religious observance is that in church time, we've got an end date. We know, for example, that we will light a candle on our wreath for four Sundays. And then on December the 25th, baby Jesus arrives. It's like clockwork, like Newtonian time, steady and forward moving and certain. Jesus is gonna get born no matter what items on our holiday to-do list have been completed or left undone, no matter whether we've gathered in person with family or gathered in person in worship on Christmas Eve. Maybe Jesus is coming on time. But there's this whole other kind of time at work underneath our observance of Advent, or maybe not underneath, maybe above or around or through. It's the bigger, broader space of time that begins perhaps at creation, certainly by the birth of Jesus, and it stretches into this present moment and beyond. This time is not predictable or controlled. It's the time between the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. It's the time between when God got this party started and when all reaches its divinely imagined goal. As one scholar describes it, Jesus's followers are summoned to faithful vigilance during an arduous, ambiguous time between the inauguration and the consummation of the kingdom of God. The gospel, according to Mark, is particularly focused on this arduous, ambiguous time. And the text that we heard today may reflect the particular upheavals happening in the lives and time of Mark's initial readers. If you read the whole of Mark chapter 13, you'll read of a variety of dangers and sufferings, false prophets, wars, famines, persecution, family dissension, and exile. And our passage picks up from there saying, but in those days after that suffering. And it, and it sounds like Jesus is going to, to tell us when 
to expect the suffering to end after that suffering, it says. And it it sounds like Mark wrote the words of our text as if the end of the story, the consummation of the kingdom, was expected within the times that he was living. I mean, it says, when you see these things, you will know. And this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. But then we get that bit that says, about that day or hour, no one knows. Tricky. What we receive next is the teaching about staying awake. We're supposed to stay awake so as not to miss when the big event happens. Now I have become very good at being awake, often in the middle of the night when I really don't wanna be awake. <laughs> Staying awake for a long period of time or not getting enough sleep can make you exhausted and cranky. I'll speak for myself. And well, the time between the inauguration and the consummation of the kingdom is not over. That time is not done. That suffering is not ended. We're supposed to be staying awake. The suffering isn't ended. Perhaps the specific sufferings of Mark's day are over. That is the abuse of power by Roman Emperor Nero, who was known for his tyrannical, extravagant, debauched ways, which themselves then inspired the Jewish revolt against Imperial Rome. At least we don't have any of that these days. You know, people abusing power for personal gain for themselves and their cronies and not acting with integrity and making decisions that do harm and acting with prejudice and without any sense of cooperation. All within an inherently broken and oppressive imperial system. At least we don't have that. At least we don't have any uprising from those who've been marginalized or disenfranchised or oppressed or overlooked. Oh. Wait. This long time of waiting for tyrants to be unseated and empires to fall and peace and justice to take over is exhausting. Most of all, for those who have their necks under the boot of the oppressors, how long are we expected to stay awake? A human body and spirit can take only so much. But in those days after that suffering, what if this phrase is not meant to mean after a particular suffering in one specific time? What if the day or hour 
of a divine arrival is not referring to a one-time event. Now, I grant to all of you, because I know some of you out there are thinking this, I grant to all of you biblical scholars and theologians out there that Mark is almost certainly reflecting an ancient Jewish hope found in Daniel and elsewhere, a hope in a son of man return at the end times to sort everything out the way God wants it. But I beg that you will grant me some interpretive license, some listening underneath the plain meaning or intention of the author in order to receive what spirit may also want to say. In this long waiting time, this long suffering time, this long time of wondering how long the cycles of injustice and cruelty and war and destruction will continue. In this, our time, what if the message in the text, the message of signs and of words that don't pass away, the message of remaining alert, what if this is a perennial message, a daily message, a message for us after that suffering we experienced yesterday or an hour ago, or after the suffering we are experiencing right now is past. What if the message is that after every suffering, large and small, today and every day, we are assured that an inbreaking of God's love and mercy will surely come. It may come in ways you might miss if you're not expecting it. That is, most of us will not see a vision of Jesus surfing back to earth on the waves of a cloud or anything else so clear and dramatic. The never passing away reality of God's mending tender love may come to us through the most everyday kinds of moments. As one poet described it, a certain minor light may still lean incandescent out of kitchen table or chair, as if a celestial burning took possession of the most obtuse objects now and then, thus hallowing an interval otherwise inconsequent by bestowing largesse, honor, one might say, love. Any teaching about staying awake is not, of course, a literal call to sleep deprivation or insomnia. Thanks be to God. It is, rather, an invitation to remain alert and awake to the present moment, to what is really happening, to each present moment's beauty and pain, 
and everything in between. It's an invitation to be always looking for an inbreaking of grace, of divine presence, of visitation. There have been moments when the way the breeze caressed my face was for me a clear sign of God's embrace. When a random message from a rarely heard from person came to me as a clarion call from God of purpose for me. When a new relationship was revealed as part of God's liberating work in my life and in this long year, so challenging in so many ways, Jesus has shown up again and again. It would be easy to miss these things in the midst of so much pain and struggle. And God knows I've missed much in my distraction, my collusion with our culture's cult of filling time and calendars with things we think are controllable expectations. We can't know exactly how or when Jesus will show up, except on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> but the promise is that Jesus will draw near after the suffering, in the suffering, in this present suffering with love and with grace for you. And at the same time that that love and grace is coming just for you, at the very same time in one of those divine mysteries, God is also present at that time doing the work of love and mending throughout all of creation. So make that your expectation. Stay alert to that possibility. This holy season into which we enter today is a particularly focused practice ground for living this way, with living this expectation. It gives us a way to mark the time with intention to wait on the Lord, not in idleness, but in focused activity. And as we move through these days in the Earth cycle, where on this part of the planet, daylight grows short and night stretches on. And in this year, when isolation and illness and injustice cast long shadows, we're reminded through all the lights that adorn trees and homes and reeds that we can shine. We can illumine a way, you and I, a way for others who are trying to find their footing. We can nurture the lives of others through love and care, and we can share what we have, and we can pray with and for one another. We can do what we can do. And for all that we cannot control, viruses, illness of all kinds, the actions of others, for all that we cannot control, 
we wait on the Lord and we look for spirit and we rely on the visitation of Christ, trusting that the long night will end, trusting that morning is coming. And our waiting will never be in vain. For in each and every day, God is Emmanuel, God with us. And in the fullness of time, our long Jesus will come into the world to usher in that perfect peace, that divine justice, that ancient hope for the consummation of God's creation. That is the desire of every nation, the joy of every longing heart. Why not make that our expectation? Amen. <laughs>